morning will be in the Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter, as, uh, as you can see there on the screens in front of you or in the bulletin. And so I invite you, if you desire, to, uh, to turn and to get ahead of me for a moment, if you'd like. Uh, I want to share with you, um, personally, before we begin this morning, uh, and, and ask for your prayers. Uh, I've had some conversations this morning, you may have overheard, I've had a number of people ask uh, who are here this summer, they said, when, when do you leave on your, your trip overseas? And uh, that answer is today, this afternoon, um, I'll leave, actually we don't fly out till tomorrow, but we're, a friend of mine and I are heading down uh, to Tampa this afternoon because we fly out very, very early, so we're going to be close to the airport and eliminate a little bit of early morning stress. And so uh, by this time tomorrow morning, I should be on the way to Detroit and then to Beijing, China, where I'll be um, for a week, and then after leaving Beijing, well, we'll be in Beijing and um, Shanghai and, and a few places there in China. Small country, so it shouldn't take a lot to navigate. Um, uh, then we go to Seoul, South Korea. So uh, certainly uh, ask your prayers. Be gone for a couple weeks. Uh, you'll be in, in wonderful hands as Pastor Don and John Godfrey will be uh, sharing with you over these next two weeks. And I'm hoping to, if possible, if we can make it work and China isn't too restrictive. I'm hoping to have some videos to share with you of some of my experiences as I'm away. So we'll hope that we can make that happen. But I certainly do. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, but I always hate leaving. So, uh, you know, seek your prayers and, uh, and your thoughts. And, and Tony has a, a list. She actually has a prayer itinerary. If you're interested, you can talk to her, and she can tell you where we'll be every day and some of the things that we'll be doing as we... Uh, we take a look at what God's doing in a communist country and the way that the, the Holy Spirit is working. And so I look forward to sharing that with you um, when I return. But I wanted to let you know and, uh, and just covet your prayers in these, next, in these next couple weeks. Now, I'll be back in two, um, but I may be back before I'm actually back, you know, that kind of thing. I'm not quite sure exactly how I'm going to feel for a couple days after I return. Um, but uh, but it, that, that'll be an adventure, too. Ch China, Beijing is exactly 12 hours ahead of us. So that'll be, I, may, I said to somebody, I said, I'm, I should try to stay up all night tonight so that I can get oriented. It ain't going to happen, but I should, you know. <laughs> so there's no way. To, I couldn't stay up all night when I was young. I certainly ain't doing it now. So um, anyway, turn this morning to Mark chapter 10 going to pick up there in the middle of the chapter at verse 17, uh, subtitled in my Bible as the rich and the kingdom of God. Some of you know it is the uh, Jesus encounter with the rich young ruler, but, uh, but this is what we read. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good, except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, 
All these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus again said, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, the scripture stops. I want to continue, even though it was listed, and you see the continued verses. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man all this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And we pray here that God would add his blessing to the reading of his word. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Lord, for your word to us, your challenge, even maybe the discomfort these words cause, speak to us. Be present in these moments as your word is proclaimed. Inspire and speak through me that this not be me, but this be for you and for your glory and for each of us to draw close to Christ. We pray in his holy name. Amen. A couple years ago, um, they don't know I'm about to talk about them, but Malcolm and Mary Norwood, they, they created a monster. They, they, they created a monster. And it was done with the, the most wonderful of intentions. But they, with some family, included Ryan, my oldest son, my oldest son, my only son, um, uh, on a trip to Triumph in Bradenton, the ropes course, you know, that goes higher. And I think I've talked about it before. And in doing that, they created this, this monster because now every year, both Ryan and Cassie want to go and do this. Um, crazy, asinine experience of climbing up into the trees. And so we've done it a few times since then, and I've done it once. And, and this summer we went again for Cassidy's birthday. It's trickle-down effect. Now Cassie wants to go all the time too. And so we went for Cassidy's birthday. And um, I wasn't able to climb because this was, those of you who were the summer know, um, you know, I'd broken my foot in May, and so this is when I had the, the, the broken foot and those two things don't go together. So I was the photographer, and, and I kind of watched all of the fun take place. What's interesting about these ropes, how many of you have ever done ropes course, high ropes course? We, okay, like two, three of you. All right, a few of you. Yeah, Cassie's raising her hand. Yes, she has. Um, when, you, when you go, and as you're doing these obstacles, if, if you're not familiar with it, each course gets higher off the ground, and, and there's a ton of, of obstacles and things, and there's, there's a wire over the top that you're connected to, and a lot of times as you're walking, that's what you're holding on to, because that's human nature. You want to have, you know, you want to have a grip on something, and so, you know, your feet are swinging, your, your body's giving way, and, and most people hold on for dear life to that wire, because our minds are programmed to think you know, it, we're only safe as long as we're holding something. The problem with holding on to that harness wire is that uh, it's, it's rough. 
Um, if you hold too tightly, you're going to, you know, kind of like a rope burn, you're going you're gonna to burn your hand. And the thing is, that really isn't um, your safety net. Your safety net is the harness you're wearing that is double-connected to that wire. It's actually nothing that's in your hand. It's, it's what's connected in. And the sooner you get comfortable with that, the better you can do, actually, on the course. The, the sooner you can get comfortable with letting go, you actually can navigate many of the obstacles more effectively. And so when we went this summer, um, the, as I'm watching and, and videotaping, the, the fifth level of the course is um, 60 feet high. And yeah, I, I have not gone to that level. Um, and Ryan and his, and his cousin Dylan did. And so I was videotaping watching them. And as Ryan's going around, and it's exhausting, he gets to a point where, you know, he's just tired and he's got to rest. And I watch him do something. I'm going to tell you, it makes a father's heart jump into his throat because he just let go and fell back. And literally, I'm watching my son dangle from 60 feet in the air because he, he had to get his strength back. And in order to get his strength back, he had to let go of everything and just rest in the harness. Just let, and, and I mean, fell. I mean, at one point in the obstacle, he just takes a leap of faith and jumps to see how far he can get ahead because he was getting so tired. I mean, talking about ultimate trust in, in the safety net. Like I said, it was safe and he was harnessed in, but man, still, I... Not a, not a moment of comfort uh, for, for any parent, a mother or father, grandparent, doesn't matter. But the idea is, and the point is, that there, there's times in life, whether it be in a, a ropes course, but certainly in many times of far deeper significance, that we have got to learn to let go. You know, we become comfortable, we become attached, we trust very, very deeply in what we have our hands on. And God wants us to release. And that's the heart of this story of, of the rich young ruler. It ought to be a story that really challenges us. And if we're honest, this one ought to make us squirm. It, it should. Because God's words and Christ's words to the rich young ruler, in many ways, there's this challenge to us. And, and this is a hard one. This is a hard one to, to imagine yourself in. And, and what would I have done? Because the rich young ruler is holding so tightly. In fact, when he comes to Jesus, and, and he says, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know, keep the commandments, walk in faith. He says, I've done all of that. And then Jesus says to him, well, there's just one more thing. In fact, I can almost see Jesus saying, you know, just one, one little thing you need to do. Just one little thing you need to do. Sell everything you have. Give it away. Come, follow me. And I want you to hear how the message, Eugene Peterson's version of the Bible, his personal translation, how he translates that next verse after Jesus told him just, just one little thing. He says, the man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear. In fact, in many ways, it could very well be that what he expected was the pat on the back because he'd done everything so well. He was a good church kid, you know? He'd been raised right. So, he didn't expect this. He said this was the last thing he expected to hear, and he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. He was holding on tight to a lot of things, and he was not about to let go. Now, as we read his story, 
The challenge for us is to, to let it speak to us. Where, like that rich young ruler, are we being challenged to, to let go? What's the one little thing in each of our lives? And really, why was this such a hard thing? Well, I think most of us know why this was such a hard thing. But let's, let's talk a little bit in depth about what gets in the way so often for this rich young ruler or for us to let go. And the first is this. I think the rich young ruler was more focused on what he was giving up than what he was gaining. He was more focused on what he was giving up than, than what he was gaining. He was used to the finest of things. He lived well. He lived comfortably. And the thought of giving that up is all he could see rather than the potential of what Christ was inviting him to. About four or five months ago, maybe a little bit longer, Cassie came to us one night and she said, Mom, Dad, she's like, there's a concert coming up in September, this would have been last month, uh, that I would really like to go to. It was a Lady Antebellum and the, the Hunter Hayes concert. She's like, I really, really want to go to this concert. You know how teenagers are. I really, really want to go. The, the problem, if you'll allow me to use that language, the problem was that for Christmas we had bought her concert tickets to another concert the week after. And if you follow, you may, you may not realize it, two weeks after. I'm sorry, she's holding up fingers. Two weeks after. <laughs> it's always nice to have an editor in the middle of your sermon. Uh, two weeks after. And, uh, and we bought that. And, and concert tickets these days are not cheap uh, in any stretch of the imagination. So we, for Christmas, we bought her some, some tickets to one of these um, bands that makes my ears bleed. But um, they, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They're good, I think. Um, her mother took her. And uh, so we bought her tickets. And so she came to us, and she knew this. She's a smart, smart young lady. And she said, um, I'll, uh, I'll buy my own ticket. Because Cassie's a saver. She works, babysits, birth and she saves. And um, I'm like, okay, let us talk about it. And so we talked, and we thought, you know, let's find out how bad she really wants to go. Let's, let's find out how important. Let's find out what she's willing to give up. So we said, all right, here's the deal. Obviously, you're 14, so you can't go alone. So your mom or your dad, in this case, your mom, uh, <laughs> has, to, uh, has to go with you. So if you want to go, you've got to buy your ticket. You've got to buy her ticket. And you got to pay for parking. Yeah, that's what she did. She had to think about it. She had to weigh this. What I have versus what I want. Now, I'll tell you, she said, okay, I'll pay the whole freight. And she was willing to do it. Now, we didn't make her pay the whole freight, okay, just so you know. She did pay for her ticket, but we paid. But we wanted to see. We wanted to see, what are you willing to let go of in order to get? Now, now here's the thing. She was able to, to weigh those two things. She, she kind of knew A and B. I, I remember as a kid, my parents, um, it was when we were at Main Street Church in Jacksonville, and uh, they called me. It was after worship service on a Sunday morning, and they called me down, and somebody had given them a baseball glove, and that was much nicer than the baseball glove I had, and baseball was everything to me when I was seven through you know, 18, and, um, and so it was nicer than what I had, and so they were going to give it to me, but what they did is they came and they said, Chris, would you be willing to give away your glove 
the baseball glove you have now, would you be willing to give that away? There's somebody else who needs it. And the idea was if I was willing to give it away so that they could give me something even better. And of course I did. Now here's the, 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 the whole story. I sounded very selfless, very altruistic. It was a very high moment for my parents and how wonderful their son was. I'd been up in the balcony in the sanctuary. They didn't know I'd been up there. And I heard them set the whole thing up. So, no, I knew what was coming. So I wasn't nearly as noble as I appeared. I just was a good spy. So um, it would be interesting when he hears this, if he remembers that story and knew that I'd set him up. But, um, but the idea is sometimes you give up to get something better. I, remember, let's make a deal, you know? You're going to give it up for what's behind curtain. In some ways, I think that might be what this rich young ruler felt. You're asking me to give this up. And Jesus tells him exactly what he's offering. You'll give it, and then come, follow me. Come and be my disciple. And he just wasn't able to do it because he was holding on so tightly to what he had, he couldn't see what Christ was offering. And, and we have to ask ourselves, what are those things in our lives that we hold so tightly to that we just can't let go for Jesus? And, and the truth is, Jesus focuses this, and, and the, the, Jesus talks a lot about money because that's most likely, that's most often what we hold too tightly to. I mean, that's, for m- most of us, that's our, our idol. And Jesus says, you can't serve God and money. You will love one and hate the other. Because that, it's so easy for us to fall. And it may not be that for you. It may be something else. But what is it when you hear this story that you know that if Jesus said, would you be willing to give it up to follow me, that we would have a focus on what we have, not what we're being offered. That, brothers and sisters, becomes uh, part of our challenge. That becomes part of the, the difficulty. If you think about it, interestingly enough, Jesus was inviting him to an opportunity to change the world. He couldn't do it. He couldn't let go. Now, now contrast that with just a few. Think of Peter. Think of Paul. Peter, who had to let go of his nets. Paul, who had to let go of his vendetta, who had to let go of his pride, let go of his arrogance to follow Jesus. But it's interesting that in the Scriptures, we know Peter. We know Paul. We know Lydia. Uh, We know Priscilla. We know the men and women who gave up for Jesus. I find it interesting we don't know this guy. His title, rich young ruler. We don't know. History doesn't record his name because he just, he was holding too tight. So he saw what he had, not what he was being offered. And here's the second problem. He put too much value in what he had. He put too much value in what he had. Woody Allen has once said, you know, money's a good thing, if nothing else, for financial reasons. Um, you know, th- there is value. I don't want to say here, there, there's a, another story of a, of a teacher who was talking to her students, young students, and she said, you know, if you have 99 cents and your best friend has $99, what's the difference? And the little girl said, well, the difference is the dismal point. <laughs> okay? The dismal, the, not the decimal, the dismal point. All right, that's true. Poverty and, and not having enough, that, that is dismal. And, and we're not, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that in a, in a society that we live in that money doesn't have value. It does. 
And it's okay to, to desire to have the things that we, we need. And th- there's, there's nothing wrong with that, and, we'd be, and I'd be a hypocrite to, to proclaim otherwise. But there is a point when we have to understand that, that money, another quote, money is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. It's a great servant, but it's a terrible master. And when we begin to, be, to be, move past those points of, of needs being met, and we move into those luxuries places of life that so many of us kind of fantasize about being, including me, that the happiness that money brings into a life diminishes exponentially. Studies show that it, you know, it varies, but at around $60,000, $70,000 a year to sustain, depending on who and the needs, that, that additional money doesn't lead to exponential happiness. In fact, very often, it, it has an opposite effect because it begins to become a master. Jesus warns over and over against that. And it's not that it doesn't have value, but it doesn't have the most value. But we cling so tightly to it. We hold so tightly, we overestimate the value that it has. This is a human condition. The Greeks knew this. They told a story about the danger of aspiring and just driving for, for too much. And the stories in the uh, the, the myth of, of King Midas. Remember when Dionysus, the Greek god, encountered him and says, you can have anything you want. And he says, great, everything I touch turns to gold. And Dionysus says, are you sure you know what you're asking for? And in his arrogance, he says, yes. And if you know the story, he was thrilled at first. The table turned to gold. The chair turned to gold. And then he tried to eat. And everything that touched his lips turned to gold. And he started to despair because he knew he was going to starve. And so his daughter comes in to console him, and he hugs her, and she turns to gold. And finally, the, the, the story ends with him begging the God to take the gift away and restore things to the way they were, which happens. And he never overvalues money again. He never overvalues. And he started the story, he was wealthy. You know, they understood that danger of, of greed and wanting too much. Jesus understood that danger. Uh, and human history teaches us that. You know, Andrew Carnegie, I was watching, I've been watching on the History Channel over the months. Uh, they've, they've done a, a series called The Men Who Built America. And Andrew Carnegie is certainly part of that significant story, one of the wealthiest men that ever lived, also one of the most philanthropic. Uh, and, but they said that as he got older, he almost despised money. He said, I've never seen a millionaire smiling. Yeah, and so he gave a lot of his money away. And to the end of his life, at least the stories are told, that he carried no money with him. In fact, he, in, in London, he once got kicked off the trolley because he couldn't pay, because he didn't have any money with him, one of the wealthiest men in the world, because he, he recognized the danger. We need to recognize, again, I'm not saying that money doesn't have value and that it doesn't meet needs. We live in a financially-based society. It does, but it doesn't have the most value. That's what Jesus is saying. He sees this young man, says that Jesus loved him, but he knew there was just one thing he just had too much value in in his life, one thing he was clinging too tightly to, and he invites him to let it go. What's that thing for us? Now, the third point is this. What he didn't realize is that Jesus was inviting him to something that had far greater value than anything he had, that that thing that Jesus was was the thing that truly mattered, the thing that, that he'd be invited to, to take with him, if you will. There, you know, there's a story told, another story, of a man who, uh, he was dying. And so he called his wife in one day, and uh, he said, um, oh, I think it was Elvita, uh, Elvita 
um, go into the, the, the hearth, the, the fireplace, and behind the, or in the fireplace, remove the brick on the ground. And so she does, and she pulls out this box, and it is full of money. And he said, that's money I've been storing away for my entire life. He's like, I'm going to take that with me. I'm going to take that with me. So what I want you to do is I want you to go to the attic, and I want you to put that box on the windowsill. And when I die, I'm taking that with me. And so she does, and she does what he says. She puts it in the attic. She puts it on the windowsill. He, uh, shortly thereafter, he dies. Three days after his funeral, she remembers the box, and she runs up to see what's happened. And sure enough, there's the box, and all the money's still in it. And she exclaims, oh, my, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I should have put this in the basement. (laughs) Catch up to me. There was a pause. I was worried for a moment. (laughs) We don't take it with us. You know that. We don't. We don't take it with us, but we can pay it forward. We can pay it up, if you will, in a heavenly sense. We can do those things Christ says, invest our treasures in places where moth and rust do not destroy, that we can invest ourselves in the things that matter, relationships that matter. Our, our gifts that God has given that matter, but most importantly, it's the work that Christ has invited us to that matters. The, the invitation that he gives, not because those other things are intrinsically bad, but because there's something that is spiritually and eternally so much better. And that's the invitation Jesus says to each of us. Come and follow me. And he says, it is, I mean, that, that famous verse that, that, that is so challenging to us. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That should scare us. You know, if you can eat three meals a day, I, I read this stat this week. If you can eat three meals a day for an extended period of two weeks. So if you know in the next two weeks you're comfortable that you're going to get three meals a day or whatever you need to be satisfied. That puts you in the richest 15% of people in the world. So when Jesus says it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, that should make us squirm. But don't forget, because the disciples squirmed and said, who can do this? You know, it seems like you're saying it's impossible. And Jesus says, it is impossible for man. It's not impossible for God. It's not a hopeless teaching. It's a challenging teaching. Jesus isn't saying all hopes are lost. He's saying, trust in what God is doing for you, but then be a part of it. Invest yourself in it. Learn to let go. When Alexander the Great died, it's told that he wanted to be buried with his hands up and open because he wanted everyone to see that he was passing into the next reality with his hands wide open. Let go of everything that he'd once valued and ready to receive well jesus invites us to let go to let go to trust in something greater something more blessed like that harness that is invisible but is there to let go so that he can give to us something that is far more valuable than the treasures on earth that we often seek for instance what are you holding on to tightly What are you holding on to, Tyler? What if Jesus was talking to you right now? Would he say to you, is that one little thing, that one additional step of faith? And then here's the part that we really have to ask ourselves. 
Are we willing to respond? Are we willing to respond? Open hands, open hearts to what Christ comes to offer. Let's pray. Lord, we need to remember your words that what seems impossible to us, that is impossible to us, is not impossible to God. And we need to remember that you are a God of grace and mercy and patience with us. Yet we need to be challenged, all of us together, to recognize there are things in our lives that we just hold on too tightly to. Not because they're not important, but we need to remember they're not the most important. You invite us to, far something, to something far greater in our relationship with Christ and the ministry that we're called to, the blessings that we're called to not only receive but to be for others. Help us to hear that invitation to come and follow and to respond in obedience, to realize that what we have may be good, but what you offer is so much better. Give us hearts of obedience and faith. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen.